0: Welcome to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast with me, your host, Emily Rose, where we take a subversive look at all the celebrity gossip you want and some you never knew you needed. We'll take a deep dive into the hidden meanings of what's really going on in the world of pop culture, because here we contain multitudes and read between the lines. Join me. Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I'm your host, Emily Rose and I want to know how everybody is doing today. How is everybody feeling? Summer is just winding down, or for my listeners in the Southern Hemisphere, summer is just kicking off. No, that's not how that works. Okay, we are off to a strong start as per usual. So (laughs) for anyone who's new here, I do my little chit chats. I do my little check in at the top of the show. Then I get into my guest, and there's always timestamps so you can skip around if something is for you or just there's a certain topic that you must hear immediately. Speaking of our check in, I have I've been having a very interesting and surreal week. I. Got to talk to a lovely reporter from the Washington Post, and we had actually started talking a few months back on a story that she was working on about Pete Davidson going to space. He was supposed to go to space with Jeff Bezos, and we chatted about it, Uh, and then the flight got canceled, and so we were going back and forth, and the story had to get Uh, canned because, well, it was irrelevant. He wasn't going to space anymore. That was the week he went off like gallivanting with Kim Kardashian in the Bahamas. But then we got back in touch because in light of him and Kim Kardashian breaking up, so they wanted to pick the story back up. And we picked it back up where we left off a few months ago. And I was just having this surreal moment of thinking, get to talk to the Washington Post. And what a surreal thing that it's over talking about my thinky thoughts about Pete Davidson. And also it made me zoom all the way back to the career quizzes we would do in high school. There wasn't even any vague result that I could get that would indicate that this is what I would be doing with my time. Did you guys do career quizzes in high school? Cause I did, I did a fuck ton. Like the reason why I did so many was because I was so terrible at gym. I hated sports. I had no team spirit and I would have rathered just basically do anything else. So I would go, I would hang on the guidance counselor's office and I would just do random career quizzes. Uh, I think it would always give me some variation of like therapist, family therapist, which is hilarious because that's not what I'm doing now. I think the, what they were vaguely alluding to was that I actually needed therapy not needed to be a therapist but it was the early 2000s the understanding and language around mental health was uh, uh almost non-existent which is uh, a lot of what we talk about on this uh this week's episode just wild that i am i'm chatting with the washington post and then also spending i don't know how many hours at this point covering bama rush over on tiktok for anyone who hasn't been on tiktok I know a lot of you just like cannot be bothered, which honestly good for you because you're probably spending less time doom scrolling on your phone. But there's this whole universe of Alabama sorority rush, which is like trying to get into like Alabama sororities. It's a like, huge, elaborate, involved world. I was super into it last year. So I started making a video or two about it this year. It turned into about a dozen videos. I think I've got a couple more uh, in the works. You know, also on the career quiz note, it's like didn't see myself spending 12 hours out of my week researching Bama Rush and like talking to Bama sorority girls about their experiences to see if their experiences are in line with my research. I'm incredibly grateful to be able to do this and to show up and and talk shit and be able to talk to you guys about your thoughts about me talking shit. So yeah, that's that. As for this week's episode, I've got Christy from X Knows All podcast, and we're going to be talking about the wildlife of Nicole Richie and really breaking down her time on The Simple Life, her legacy, what it was to be an early it girl. We're going to get into all of it. And as for the Patreon this week, for anybody who's new here, I put out an extra episode every week on the Patreon. It's $5 a month. This week, I've got Sammy P on and we are going to be talking about a variety of spicy opinions on some hot topics. Not because I can't talk to you guys in a candid way, but because there, there's really just different levels of unhinged. Yeah, some levels of unhinged need to be behind a paywall. So that That's what the Patreon's there for. (laughs) But we will be talking about, first of all, related to this week's episode, the exposure of Paris Hilton's storage locker. So it was a time at the height of Paris Hilton's early 2000s fame. She didn't pay her fees on a storage locker. And so they repossessed it and sold it off. And we got to see the inner workings, the, the innermost possessions of her wildlife at the time I mean it's like the pop culture version of like unearthing the catacombs or something we talked a bit about it like I think over six months ago one of our first episodes was a three-part series on early 2000s reality shows and we touched on it a bit then but it is it's truly such a monumental moment in pop culture it it needs to be talked about more we also get into Army hammer britney brooklyn beckham and his new marriage and his new giant tattoo that says married across his hand kathy hilton a little of this and a little bit of that so before we get into this week's episode i would love it if you're liking what you're hearing if you could subscribe rate the podcast with five stars if you've got less than five stars and if you've got Got feedback, things that you want to see change, improve, like just write to me. I'm here. And if you have, and if you have uncritical feedback, I would say write it down. And I know a lot of you guys are camping, you're making the best of summer. So I would say take that with you on your camping trip. And then when you are lighting a nice bonfire, maybe get some s'more materials out, you know, all the good stuff. Um, Take that feedback and just just chuck it in the fire. That's what I would recommend. All right, so that's it for me. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Okay, and we're back with Christy from X Knows All Podcast. Christy, how are you today? It is such a pleasure, Miss Emily Rose. It truly is. (laughs) Honestly,
1: I feel like I have an akin, akin bond to you now. Just after 20 minutes of just chatting about life, podcasting, the difficulties of entrepreneurship, I feel very connected to you and thank you so much for having me on.
0: Oh my God. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being here. And also I love how we basically spent half an hour talking about pop culture things. And I'm like, maybe we should record because this is all like, (laughs) this is what we're here to do today. Yeah. It's going to be a juicy episode. I'm really excited. I know. I know. So I've been saying this lately for the past, maybe a month or two, I've been leaving it up to my guests to pick the topic. And it kind of feels like I'm running these PowerPoint nights. Like I always saw friends online do these like PowerPoint nights. And I was always jealous. I just wanted to do that. And so I kind of feel like I'm creating it like on the podcast because people bringing forth something that they're interested in. I I always happen to be interested in it too. And then it's like, we get to just go down the rabbit hole of something that we're both passionate about, even when it's not in the news. You know, like, just to jump ahead, we're here to talk about Nicole Ritchie. She's not really, like, there's not really any, like, hot topics on her right now, but she's in our hearts and minds, I think, of every 2000s girl gay and they who, like, was around for The Simple Life, and so it's just, it it's it's going to be so interesting to look back at her life. Um, but before we get into that, tell us about, for anyone who isn't already listening to X Knows All, tell us about what you do over in your corner of the internet sure so I started my podcast
1: earlier like the beginning of this year so it's very new it's a very new project of mine but basically I churn out weekly content of a single celebrity that I'll cover from start to finish so like the way that it's structured is I'll start with their childhood their upbringing how they got into the business And like basically stories about that specific celebrity that you may not know or like things that were maybe in the headlines that you may have forgotten about any like feuds that they had with other celebrities i just kind of try to do like a deep dive into every celebrity from start to finish start to today um in like under an hour so i think what i really like to focus on in my podcast is celebrities that like i've loved even if they may not be relevant today. So like Nicole Richie would be a really good example of of like she was such a relevant star in the early 2000s and she was so part of like that makeup of the Lindsays, the Paris and the Nicoles and the Britneys, the Mishas that really shaped pop culture as we know it from like 2000 to 2005. Like she was so instrumental in so many things and the discussions that we were having at that time. So I just kind of love deep diving into people that we just don't really hear about too much anymore. Um, I think it makes it all the more fun. So when you reached out to me to talk about a topic, I'm so glad that we pulled both of our listeners on Instagram and the feedback was overwhelmingly Nicole Richie. Yeah. So excited to talk about because it sounds like it wasn't just us that had this interest. It was actually people that we pulled on the internet that had the same interest as us.
0: Yeah. And and anyone who was an It Girl while we were growing up has like cemented themselves into our minds. Like whether we were consciously trying to be like them or not on some level like we were watching them and we were like okay this is what this is what it means to be cool this is what it means to be like out in the world as this like fabulous adult like oh maybe I'll get to like you know be like (laughs) maybe I'll get to be stumbling out of clubs too or like on a show with my friend you know we got to like live through them in a lot of ways but also I I really think that every every female celebrity who came up during that time deserves a redemption arc like they were they deserve to have their legacy looked back through the lens of like how we view celebrities now and and honored because they got such a like i i can't even like short end of the stick doesn't even cover it like such disrespect and such like horrific ways that we described like how they were obviously all very traumatized right i think from a
1: societal the societal norms and the societal expectations that we placed on women even 12 years ago, hell, even five years ago, is so different from what it is today. And the discussions that we used to have about women like Nicole and Lindsay and Paris and Brittany and Misha would never be had today. Because I'm trying to think of like the celebrities of 2022 that kind of are like the, who are the Nicoles of today? It's like maybe Addison Rae, (laughs) uh sabrina carpenter uh olivia rodrigo i don't know i'm just like the girl from uh outer banks like you would never hear the things that we used to say about these women on people like olivia rodrigo today you know what i mean just because you would be
0: annihilated you'd be canceled imagine so imagine if we put one of those stars on the cover of people magazine with a huge stamp of their weight imagine if that like that was every week that was every single week. Like, imagine if we did that. Like, yeah, they, first of all, it would never go to print. If it did, that person would never work again. But this was like, this was completely common. And like, yeah, that's why like for me, I, this this unintentional theme of of my podcast, when I look back at so many of my episodes has been this sort of like 2000s nostalgia theme, but also like rewriting that nostalgia of being like, <laughs> we also, by association, got traumatized <laughs> because like we were like, okay, this is this is normal, you know. Like the, uh, um I'm still turning it over in my mind from the Mary Kate and Ashley episode that I did with Tori, where it was like just just talking about how the Rolling Stone article about them when they were 16 was called America's favorite fantasy, and the subheading was the sisters of perpetual abstinence, and the first few paragraphs were about how they're so sexy because they look like so young and innocent. I'm like. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it, I'm actually watching the Playboy documentary on Peacock. It was an A&E docu-series. It was like 10 parts. And they were talking about how it's it's sick because we almost fetishize like the youth. Even today, I mean, like with women in their 30s, 40s, whatever, getting Botox and getting filler to remain youthful. And it's like this fan fantasy about just uh, f- fantasizing about young women. Yeah, And I think that's, I mean, it's a whole other discussion, but it's like, it's it's sick it's like and it still takes place today but in like very micro ways of like well i need to get botox so i can stay young forever it's like well what about being young forever is appealing in societal norms is it to desire like what men believe is attractive that when you're over 30 you can't be attractive it's just like this whole discussion and like it's disgusting
0: yeah why are we trying to look like a sexy hairless baby (laughs) right yeah, like a seal, a little baby seal with
1: like, <laughs> right, pretty pubescent teen. It's yeah. disgusting.
0: Yeah, and I I actually realized, this is kind of like a side note, but I realized that I was feeding into it. So the other day on TikTok, basically on TikTok, I, sh- I tend to show up pretty haggard. I would say most of the time. Like, I just, I, I'm I'm not saying that to be like, to fish for compliments. Like, I really just show up like first thing in the morning, you know, no makeup. Um, but sometimes I put a filter on just because it feels like going to the effort of putting on makeup without going to the effort and someone commented and they were like you look way too young with this filter like you're like they were trying to be like you're beautiful but like you don't need this um you it really distorts your face to look really young and cartoonish and like you don't need it and and normally with any kind of comments about my appearance I try to like write it off but I was like oh my god I hadn't even thought about it in terms of like me subconsciously trying to look really young like and, and it just made me decide like okay I'm I'm not going to use this filter again Like, even though it was kind of like this little ego boost of putting on this thick filter and looking like, ooh, look, this is glam that I don't even know how to do on myself. I was like, that's, it's not just glam. It's not just makeup. It's, it is distorting my features to look this certain way. Good for you for like taking action.
1: My ass would just be like, well, you know, it's hiding this blemish. So I'm just going to continue using it. I'm glad that you're putting your money where your mouth is. And you're like, I'm no longer going to be driving this expectation that we need to look like we're fucking 14.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, like I, I this is this is the only comment that I'm about my appearance that I'm actively going to take to heart because like people will be like, oh, you look old or like whatever. They'll, they'll say like mean things. But I'm like, all right, like, OK. And, you know, like, yeah, I'm right. Showing- OK, OK, Bridget, show me a
1: full body photo of yourself <laughs> with a, a very close up of your place uh, of your face so I can judge you just like you're judging me. Like, shut up. Yeah, yeah. So um, rude.
0: Yeah, I I know. Um I know i have some i have some sassy answers saved up and i i think i allow myself maybe one or two a month um one of the mo- one of the most recent ones was um how's your life how, how'd your life turn out honest answers only <laughs> please i'd like Enlighten you to me. just yeah how, how did you get to this point where you're leaving these comments on uh, some other person's account? <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um but um but yeah that's uh that's that's its whole own thing but I would love for us to get into into the life of Nicole Richie so just before we get started on her life and her timeline what what is it about her that made you a fan like when did you first really (laughs) become like a Nicole Richie fan I was just so fascinated in that
1: time in my life I was probably I was like in middle school so I was in a very impressionable age And I think something about that group of women, it was just like, I couldn't keep my eyes off the computer. Like, I remember this is when Perez Hilton was like a thing and I would be refreshing Perez to see like all the crazy shit that they were getting themselves into, the arrests, like the partying, when they would like get out of a car and like they didn't have underwear on. Like it was, it felt like every weekend or every night there was a new headline and it was like a train wreck. I couldn't walk away. So, and I would say, In that time, I was probably more of, like, a Lindsay Lohan gal. Like, I very much kept up with Lindsay. I didn't keep up with Nicole as much, but she was just so in the cultural zeitgeist of that moment that even if I wasn't necessarily crazy interested in Nicole, I couldn't look away because she was just embedded into that fabric, naturally, because of her upbringing, her family, who she surrounded herself with, i.e. Paris, Misha, Lindsay. Like, she was already baked into everything I was reading because she was so intertwined with that group.
0: Yeah she was like no she was the leader of the pack like she was one of the cool girls in school like she 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 was and she still is cool like she d- still has this kind of magnetism to her there's just some kind of like sparkle there I don't know like it's like I, I really I do think some people are meant to be a star and I think she's one of them even even if she hasn't had like a ton of necessarily like huge roles recently like I don't know you just I, I see a photo of her now and it like brings a smile to my face you know.
1: Yeah, and I like that I like that she's maintained, even throughout her career, she's, you know, gotten older and she's had a family and she's a married woman now and all that. I like that she still makes, maintains relevancy through, like, fashion. It's kind of like with, like, Mary-Kate and Ashley, right? I mean, obviously Mary-Kate and Ashley are at a completely different level, but I think it's, it's nice to see that they've taken their fame and, like, started legitimate businesses. It's not just a cash grab. Like, you can tell that House of Harlow, and we'll get into that later in the episode, but it's just, I like that she's maintained her relevancy in a way that's kind of just, like, it gives me value. Like I bought things from House of Harlow. I think she has good style. I trust her what she has to say about fashion. You know, I just like that she's contributing in a way that has value today.
0: Yeah. And like, there's a lot of stars technically in that category of like, you know, having a lifestyle brand, but it's like, I wouldn't trust Kristen Cavallari's brand. Like, what is it? Uncommon James? You know, I, yes. I just roll my eyes at everything she does with that. But like, but yeah, Nicole Richie, no, I would actually trust that she has like, good taste for like things in the home and everything um yeah exactly yeah so for her her early life and her family life I mean she has a pretty fascinating family just a very like uh, a kind of a wild cast of characters so Lionel Richie is her adoptive father um, he started off as someone who was just her guardian. Basically, her her parents um, said they couldn't afford to raise her. And maybe other things were going on. Who knows? Doesn't really matter. Um, but they gave her to Nicole or to Lionel Richie to be her guardian when she was three. And then she stayed in his care. And he officially adopted her when she was nine. So that's her dad. Her adoptive sister is Sophia Richie, who... <laughs> best known for I guess the people she's dated and I I don't know I I I think also justice for Sophia Richie um anyone who's had to date Scott Disick I'm just like I don't know there should be a fund to pay for your therapy
1: is it toxic of me to say that I feel like her and uh Scott were like one true pair like they were it for each other (laughs) Is, is that horrible for me just, like I feel like he was so grounded when he was with Sophia and then when he and sophia I know we're getting on a tangent but when he and Sophia were together it just felt like he wasn't too out of out of bounds but then after he broke up with Sophia he was jumping to like Amelia Hamlin, who I cannot stand and like a few other women I just feel like she was the grounding force for him I um, love Sophia
0: I I I mean yeah I I'm I think that like I- any time I see a pairing of a freshly turned like 18 or 19 year old with a a grown man I'm just disgusted and like the fact that she seemed like the more mature one makes me even more disgusted but like that's you know that's that's like it's whole oh my god like I have been asked this really is a tangent I've been asked like who is my least favorite Kardashian and it's Scott Disick (laughs) believe it or not like even though he's not a Kardashian like he just is yeah I don't know he he deserves to be uh in jail or something like I don't know I it
1: it gives yes it gives inappropriateness for sure I think the interesting thing though with the Richie family is that similar to like I think Sophia was the reason she was a grounding force for Scott is the same reason I think Nicole was able to like be so adult at such a young age. It's When you grow up in a family that's so wealthy and affluent and has access and people that are helping you 24-7 and you can get into any club, despite the fact that you're not even 21 yet, I think you're kind of forced to grow up really quickly. And yeah. I think we'll never understand it because we don't have that life and whatever. And I think that if you're born into a family like this, like the Hiltons or the Richies or the Kardashians, you're kind of forced to just grow up in a different way because you're around adults a lot of the time. So just kind of, I have this viewpoint that you may be young and also women just mature faster than men. I think Sophia was young when she was dating Scott and Nicole was like very young, parting it up. But it's probably, they are probably well above their years, just given their upbringing. That's like my theory on really rich Hollywood families.
0: Yeah, they definitely don't live by the rules that we do. And it's not just Ridge, but it's also in the spotlight. Like, even if we, even if Sophia Richie wasn't a household name, she still grew up with, like, press and just going to these big events. And, yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely wise beyond her years. Um, yeah. So for the rest of her family, uh, for the rest of Nicole's family, uh, she has Cameron Diaz and Benji Madden as her brother and sister-in-law <laughs> to, uh, to continue to complete this cast of characters. Michael Jackson was her honorary uncle. Shocking. No idea. That's so that's so crazy. Shocking. And then also kind of, I guess, maybe not as much when you think about Lionel Richie and Michael Jackson as kind of peers, how they were really both famous during the same time, similar age. I'm sure it makes sense, I guess, that they were in similar circles. But yeah, very, very wild. Um, and then she's famously married to Joel Madden, has one of the longest marriages in Hollywood. Just if anyone like that is like, I don't know, that's like being married for like 90 years in Hollywood years. Uh, they've been together since 2006. And this is a throwback that is so fascinating to me. They sold the first photos of their daughter to People magazine for one million dollars, which is such a relic of the time. You see, what do you what do you what do you think about that? So I, I think is this is the, the reason, what I'm going to say is
1: the same reason why award shows like the Oscars and the Grammys aren't as fascinating to us lay people anymore because I feel as if during that time prior to social media, prior to us getting in, uh, insider visibility into Star's lives at any given moment in time through IG stories or Reels or TikToks, it's like they were these untouchable people that you could not have any access to. It was like, there was this black gate that was like a wrought iron black gate that you could not penetrate. And now it just feels like celebrities, they're just so accessible to us at our fingertips that it's crazy to me that People Magazine offered them $1 million for their baby photos and they were able to get that much money from People Magazine. When in today's world, like, how much would those photos be worth? Like, probably money, but certainly not $1 million. It's just – it's very indicative of the time that we were in. Like, again, the early 2000s, it was – I think the reason that that time is so nostalgic for a lot of people is because that access to celebrities was so limited and it just felt like they were otherworldly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and even if those – photos were worth something which i can't see them being worth very much it's like even if you let's say seal a deal you're like okay um this a-list celebrity and this other one gave us the exclusive rights to their first child's photos well you might have them then go and post a photo on their instagram the next day and it like immediately doesn't it doesn't invalidate them but it takes away their worth because like you're gonna get a more intimate portrayal into their life you want to see them in their living room with their kid like in a more candid photo than you do in these like glossy people magazine photo shoots so right I know I kind of miss I kind of miss a time when
1: it's just like it was so just we were so reliant on like when the magazine would hit the stands and we could watch it you know I mean we could read it It's just it's what a what a simpler time
0: I I the the reason why I don't so the reason why I don't miss it is because of how much it Haunted the celebrities themselves, like I only because I've been thinking a lot about um, the Britneys and the Lindsays specifically, also Nicole as well. That is really what prompted like them to be like truly hunted. Yeah, yeah, and then like contributed.
1: It, it I think the paparazzi is so much more. The paparazzi culture is so much less intense because I mean it just comes back to money, right? Photos that paparazzi. take now are so less valued because of the ability for anyone and their mother to be walking down Robertson Boulevard in Beverly Hills and take a photo and then sell it to TMZ. It's just the value of it is just so much lower. So it feels like the culture around it has dissipated. Uh, And what I will say is like, I think I would love to understand from like a psychological perspective what tabloid fodder and paparazzi did to people's psyches and what that would like how damaging that could be for your brain especially when you're not even like your brain's not even fully formed till 25 or whatever and Lindsay and Nicole I don't even think maybe Nicole was a little bit older but Lindsay was like 19 being photographed every second of the day like what does that do to your psyche and brain and mental like capacity of being followed in the paranoia that would like ensue it's I see what you were saying. I think I'm speaking from a simplicity of just like I kind of miss being detached from our phones. Yeah. But at the same time, from a mental health perspective, for these celebrities that were being attacked, different story. Agree.
0: Oh yeah, and I know you're not saying like, oh my god, like it was so great when like you know they were being chased around, but it's I'm only thinking about it in the context of me talking about. I talk a lot online about the role of uh, celebrities calling paparazzi on themselves, and like, and and how things have have changed and. know it's all wrapped up in like at 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 its most damaging you have princess diana dying from this and at at its and and but also even just on a sensory level like being chased by um paparazzi and having them screaming your name i was in a clothing store yesterday and they had really loud music and i guess i'm at that age where i was like starting to be like i was like why is the music this loud i was starting to get so overwhelmed like i wanted to leave like i was like Bright lights, super loud music. And that was not, no one was screaming my name. No one was, it wasn't also with the flash. I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. So, yeah, just it, it's like, it's like torturous. Um, so, that's, I guess, one good thing about social media, which is a whole ball of wax in and of itself. Um, I, I, this is like an aside, but um, I don't know if you've read the book Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino, but she talks a lot about uh, the role of the internet and the effects that it has on us. And it's brilliant. And I'm I'm rereading it right now through audiobook I'm listening to on Audible. I just, I recommend it to everyone who is a person on the internet, because it really takes all of our thoughts and conflicts about being people that are glued to our phones and really puts like frames it in such a fascinating way. So that's- I'll add that to my Libby, Trick Mirror. It's called Trick Mirror. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll put it in the show notes because yeah. it's just like it's one of those books where like I want to write down every line in my journal, or I want to post every line of it, and then, and then I'm like, I I want to like pause it every two seconds and write it down. I'm like, I would just be transcribing the book. So that's right. <laughs> that's yeah, that's an aside. Of an aside. Um, but so back to um Nicole's life. I think besides just being a star, um, and being a star during such a toxic time. Um, I think one of the things that really affected her negatively and led to a lot of the troubles later on in her life was her parents' divorce. So Lionel Richie and his ex-wife, Brenda, um, went through a really bitter, very public divorce. And during this time, they were both incredibly indulgent to Nicole, which is something that happens not just with celebrities. It happens with regular people all the time. But they both have talked about how this was this really negative thing where they were both like just trying to make her happy by saying yes to everything. And even she said herself, like, I don't think a little girl should have had that much freedom. So that was kind of one of the groundworks for um, her troubles.
1: Right. And then I was, when I was looking at like that, where she was in that time of her life, she had done an interview with Diane Sawyer a year after she had done the interview with Vanity Fair. And she kind of described how her addiction to drugs came to be. And it kind of reminds me of just like, again, what you were saying about having the access to money and having no one tell you no. It, it reminds me of like The Hills and like how Stephanie Pratt grew up in like a really privileged environment, but she was addicted to like really crazy, like crystal meth, even in high school. And Nicole Ritchie kind of says it's a classic story of graduating from one thing to the next until before you know it, heroin is put into the mix. So she describes being addicted to marijuana, and then marijuana turned to Coke, then Coke turned to prescription pills, and then prescription pills ultimately was, got her into heroin, and she said, quote, when I pictured heroin, I pictured some crazy crackhead with no shoes under a bridge. You never think that this is going to be you, and it never was me, but of course, that's not necessarily what a drug problem is. You have that visual of it being really dirty, and here in Hollywood, it's actually so glamorized, and it doesn't seem that bad because you're at a nice house party, but it is. It's like, cause I always like think about from like a drug perspective, like how does one get into heroin, you know? And like, not to sound like judgmental, it's just like coming from, I'm just genuinely curious, how does it spiral? But it's like, here is like the most wealthy person and like these crazy nice houses. And you just think it's this fly by night seedy drug that you see people in San Francisco, like shooting up under a bridge. When in fact, it's like, no, it's a lot more normal than you would think, which is so crazy and sad
0: so so many more people are addicted to heroin than we realize um, and addicted to opiates and and i i think that i probably would have had some sort of illusion of that maybe even up until a couple years ago but i i don't know what it's like for you in southern california but for me um i was just living in western canada like the opioid crisis is a major major problem there and i've like i've lost friends to it like it's really it's but just through it being in like there being additives in other drugs like there's always things going around in the newspaper of like um oh this batch of what people thought was coke at this party is actually has fentanyl like and yes. and things like that but it's one of those things where like I know the way that my brain is wired like I think I was raised pretty well if I had been in this situation that she was I would be on the same path like I I I would have the little gremlin on my shoulder that's like more more is more like more is better like would have been activated and like we when we were growing up we were in like it was the dare era it was like we were taught this very like if you do if you smoke weed then it'll lead to coke then it'll lead to heroin like we were we were literally like taught that that was gonna happen but for these people like that is what happened and you also add in the how many hangers on were there like how many people would see them as their ticket to like money and being like if i get them addicted to heroin then they're gonna be a client for me
1: yeah it's like reliant it all comes back to money it's like well then they're gonna become reliant on getting the next hit the next high yeah and then i'll get more i'll be able to like extract more and more money out of them it's such a it's it's yeah it's it's super sad and it it makes i think it just it sheds a lot of light to the fact that she was what like in her in high school still and addicted to heroin it's like how many other people in that circle were also doing heroin that we just don't know about
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and because and and like when we're saying like for me I conflate heroin and opiates like I put I basically to me they're the same thing and so it's like um you know just just one more thing I'll say on that note is like in to dispel like the image of this whole like oh heroin users are people like under a bridge it's like there's a lot of doctors and nurses. Like there's a lot of like medical professionals that have access to these pills that get addicted to these things. Like it really is something that, um, like I, um, I studied herbal medicine. Um, and my teacher was like, you have no idea, like the types of people, the clients that come to me, like who are addicted to what, like you would have no idea like that. These people are like, living amongst us a lot of them seem really normal and like this is just something that like we don't even realize so it's just like I think yeah I think it's important to like uh, there's many reasons why it's important to destigmatize these things but it's like yeah you it it, through destigmatizing it we're um I think able to I don't know like I guess warn people off because if someone like Nicole Richie is thinking like, oh, well, I would never be someone like that. I'm not, you know, a person out on the streets, then maybe you'd have a bit more awareness, like, you know, class- harm reduction stuff. Right.
1: Right. I know it's, it's it, like you said, it's like seemingly successful people
0: who are normal and well-adapted that have access and do it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. So on, on a lighter note, um we're going to get into Nicole's biggest role that she's known for um The Simple Life. But first I just want to say like basically besides The Simple Life, she's had quite a few minor roles in things. Um there's a couple of titles that I had never heard of including Fashion Star, Candidly Nicole, Great News Making the Cut. Had had you ever heard of these? Never, never. Like I m- Candidly Nicole sounds eerily
1: familiar, like somewhat familiar, but no.
0: It sounds very, like, very Cavallari, you know, like Kristen Cavallari spinoff. Like.
1: Yeah, like <laughs> so, On E, yeah, on e it was one season deep, like yeah, 12 right. episodes a
0: season. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and then, yeah, so she also is an author, so she's written two novels. Um, You had a story about her, we actually both have a story about her novels. Do you want to share, yeah. do you want to share yours? Yeah, it's like, it's not too crazy, but so when in eighth grade, she
1: had a book signing at South Coast Plaza, which is like this like trendy mall down in Orange County. And it was at this bookstore called Book Soup. and it's when The Truth About Diamonds got released. So my mom drove me, my sister, and our two friends to go to Nicole's book signing. And I honestly, it was so long ago, I don't even remember, like I she signed my book. I don't even know where that book is. I don't know if we took a photo with her. It's a very blurry image, but I remember that was at the height of her career. So there was people lying down the mall, like all through the mall trying to get like pictures and get our book signed. But I just remember her like, I think she was like pretty thin at the time. And like, it was a quick thing, but I just remember being so juiced because I was like, oh my God, Nicole Richie's gonna be in town. And I need her to sign my book. And it, you know, just being thirsty at that time, I would still do it today tbh but um yeah that's my story. It's like pretty anticlimactic but it was at the height of her career.
0: (laughs) Well mine is like mine's a little dramatic, but kind of doesn't really have to do exactly with Nicole. But basically I worked at uh I worked at this big bookstore back when this was out and and I I I guess even when she was a huge celebrity, at least here in Montreal, like she was still kind of like a laughing stock. Like it was still sort of like, oh it's embarrassing if you like these ditzy people. Like it was it was very that. So I was at the, I was at the cash register and if you wanted to return a book without a receipt, you had to like talk to a manager. Like you had to, it was like, you had to basically like explain yourself because it was a rare thing. So this guy, this guy came to return the truth about diamonds and, and I was like, didn't have a receipt. And, and then he started telling me his story about how his friend was diagnosed with cancer. And yeah, I guess, wait, I'll put it. Okay. Content warning. So this is talking about illness. So his friend, who was his age, like he was very young, was diagnosed with cancer. And Nicole Richie was her biggest role model and like got her through tough times. Like she would just like read about Nicole, like watch her shows. Like she was just her inspiration. And he bought her this book and she passed away before he was able to give her the book. And we're both sobbing like he's crying I'm crying we're both like sweeping and and then and then and like we're talking we're like you cry talking about Nicole Richie to each other and this is like crowded bookstore like before Christmas time and my manager comes over because I had to call her and then she just like walks in on this scene and she's like like her face is like, I do not want to deal with this. Like, I, and, and like, she's like, what's the story? And he starts to explain. She's like, no, no, just get the return. Like, get out of here. Yeah, Basically, yeah, he was yeah. like, I am not getting, going down this road. <laughs>
1: Oh my God, that's so sad. I'm glad that like, I mean, that's, that's touching though.
0: It was very touching. I know. I'm like, we're, I'm like 17 and he's like, I don't know, probably not that much older. We're both just like having, having this like meltdown together in the middle of the store. And like, (laughs) he's telling about his, yeah. So you know what? Yeah, don't Nicole. Rich, anyone can be an inspiration. Like I don't know. If there's you no know, oil
1: to the story, but yeah. If anything, Nicole Richie brings people together. You know, and, and that's a, that's the kind of woman she is. You know.
0: Yeah, right? she is an icon, and we're here an to respects to her ongoing legacy. Um, you said you buy from House of Harlow. You're like a it, House it, of Harlow fan. I'm a House of Harlow girly. Yeah, like they have they have stuff like it's not.
1: It's a little bit more like higher end, but it's not like it's not it's not designer, you know, like it's approachable prices for like a little bit higher end stuff. And I just like that she's because she was like if we cannot mention Nicole Richie without discussing the fashion icon that she was. Yeah. And like the fashion guru that she was of the early 2000s. So it only makes sense for someone like her who was such a staple back then to like what we used to wear like that boho chic. She's kind of the one that started the boho chic. You know, She she, Nicole Richie walked so Vanessa Hudgens could run you know what I mean? Like with the boho chic Coachella look.
0: Like so, that so, Vanessa, so Vanessa Hudgens could run to her blanket at Coachella. And <laughs> Literally, I can't say <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens, that's like a whole other episode.
1: But like Nicole Richie was such a staple for us from like a fashion perspective. So it's just like for her to have like created this brand, and it's like an homage to her child who's named Harlow. I think. Um, I, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but I just I like that she's maintained relevancy through fashion. It's like, the Olsen twins right like they don't act they don't do press at all but they maintain relevancy through like their very high-end like designer fashion brand and people take it seriously and I think the same can be said for Nicole it's like she's not this like reality tv crazy drug addicted like like I don't know heroin chic gal she's just a respected fashion designer now she maintains low-keyness so I I like that for her I like that this is where her path has taken her
0: yeah, I mean and she's lived all those existences like she's she's dealt very heavily with addiction which I guess we'll get um you know we'll we'll get into a bit more with the timeline of everything and it like it just I mean it also just goes to show like for for that like um you know just in talking about how addiction affects people from all walks of life it's it's also this like it's not this be-all end-all like it's not the end of of your success like you can come out of it and like have this whole incredible life after um so so going to into the simple life the <laughs> the show that was just such a game changer like coming up during one of the first like really big reality shows. Um this was coming up around the same time that Survivor was coming out. Like it was just it was one of the front runners that was like this inc- like incredible success that I don't think anyone could have predicted. Um but it ran from 2003 to 2007 and there were sort of three really successful seasons. Um it was sort of kind of canceled, picked back up, aired for two more seasons, but really it was like three seasons of glory and then the wheel started to fall off the wagon so um I mean for anyone who doesn't know I mean it they were playing a, a character on the show like they both admitted it the producers typecasted them into these roles um Paris was cast as the airhead Nicole was cast as the troublemaker and both of these roles were them just an exaggerated version of themselves like yeah, Paris yeah. Paris, is, Paris is a bit of an airhead. Nicole was a bit of a troublemaker. Like that is true, but they were just like had to amp it up. You know, Paris doesn't mm-hmm. actually talk in her baby voice now. We know most of the time, but she was told to talk in her baby voice. Same with Nicole. And so mm-hmm. I, yeah. And so the show was like most reality shows had like one foot in reality, one foot in total artifice. So Some of it was real. I mean, some of it is just like you can make an entertaining show out of putting Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie in a small town and just having them interact with people like that is already entertaining. You don't need to feed people lines for that. There were some fake plot lines. Um, Do you do you remember the show? Like, do you remember watching it?
1: Yeah, I think that the reason why it was so dynamic and electric for viewers was because, like you said, it was so unprecedented at that time to have reality shows like this. I think what we had so far was like, you said like Survivor. We had the real world, obviously, which is like the inception of all reality TV. We had Newlyweds uh but it's like reality TV isn't this like money making machine that it is today it's it was just it felt so simple and i think the girls were so funny together and it was very clear and i think this is why like certain housewives franchises works versus other seasons like or franchises don't it's because when they are when the group of women are organically friends it makes for so much better TV because you're invested in the friendships and you're invested in the drama versus like when you take, like this is why I think Real Housewives of Orange County has failed for so many seasons. It's because they truly put these like random women from various walks of life and throw them to the pot and just say make drama happen. Whereas I think the reason early seasons of like Roni were so successful is because these women were actually friends. So I think the reason I'm bringing this up is because Paris and Nicole dynamic was so organic and so real that people buy into like authenticity as like, as stupid and the cliche as that sounds and i think it was refreshing from a viewpoint to like see these two cute funny people making dynamic television it's just it i actually didn't watch the show too much like my sister was really obsessed with it so i would like watch it here and there but i think it makes it comes as no surprise to me of like the success of the show just given the dynamic between the
0: two i think you you couldn't have said it better like i really think that there's so much to be said like authenticity is this really overused concept but it's like The best reality shows hands down were ones where they were actually friends beforehand they weren't typecast as friends and also the ones before social media like that is like those shows that managed to capture that wave first season of Jersey Shore, Roni like um, Vanderpump Rules. Yeah, you know, uh, Vanderpump
1: Rules, girl, I heard that you're a huge fan. I could go in on that. I have a lot of stuff about VPR.
0: Well, I have. Yeah, I have actually um, (laughs) on my Patreon. I have a I think it's like a three hour episode called the Vanderpump Rules Symposium where we just like we were like doing shots and like all (laughs) me and like. <laughs> three other people we were just like getting in like yelling over each other about <laughs> bad or poor girls and we we basically like we channeled the show and we got about as chaotic as the show gets but like that <laughs> we 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 have a okay you and i we're gonna put a pin in this and circle back as they say in corporate america because we have a lot more things to talk about <laughs> i know i know we're getting on tangents i'm like there's so many things i want to talk to you about no but yeah, i, let's keep I going. know no but let's just like you know let's just uh pick this up another day because we yes. yeah we're not we're we're just we're just getting started baby <laughs> um, <laughs> but um but yeah like they really were best friends and so paris hilton originally it was supposed to be paris and mickey hilton which Nikki Hilton, it was like, she had, she was like, no, I have a boyfriend. I don't want to leave him. Like, and they really, they had to leave and be on the show. They had to, I think they filmed for three weeks to a month at a time without their phones. Like they really were just like out there in whatever, like Arkansas or, you know, whatever town they were in. Um, this is just a funny little side note, but um, where it aired in Quebec. So I live in Quebec and um, oh. every... So it would air like on in English and French, like with, with being dubbed over, but every French show, like they have to give it a French title and the title for it was Pauvre Fille, which literally means like poor girls, but like also poor, like (laughs) unfortunate and also poor, like poor, which I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Oh <laughs> like, pauvre exclamation mark. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I remember even at the time I was like, "That this feels a little wrong, but, like, okay. Problematic. Yeah, like, but, look, these rich girls are pretending to be poor. <laughs> like, but it was, no, it was, they were so charming that it, it was just, like, it, it worked. Like, it superseded that kind of, you know. I mean, I guess they were never really pretending to be poor because they would, if anything, they were pretending to be, so wealthy that they were disconnected from reality like there was a famous line where re- paris hilton didn't know um what walmart was and she said oh does it sell like walls supplies she she said later she she knew what walmart was but she knew she came up with that line herself said she knew it was going to be this like talking point but yeah like
1: <laughs> yeah she, she she played the dumb roles
0: like she said in the, the youtube documentary she said i knew what i was doing yeah and like, was, a- i was an i was yeah, and I'm, I like, I am obsessed with people that were, like, in on the joke at the time and just profiting off of it. Her, I talk all the time about, like, Jessica Simpson, how, like, I just love how Jessica Simpson played the long game, waited 20 years to be, like, yeah, I knew the whole time. I was way smarter, but you guys were making me incredibly rich to play a dumb person. So I was, like, okay, sure. <laughs> like, yeah, jokes on you guys. Like, I'm cashing in on this and <laughs> what all the people making fun of me aren't making a sense. So, um. Yeah, inc- incredible. Um, yeah, there was a couple. So there was a bunch of things that were real. A couple things that were fake. Like they had to, you know, bottle they had to work on a dairy farm and bottle milk and they were doing it poorly and like putting water in it obviously they weren't selling this milk and like poisoning people basically like um oh, like
1: so bad Like yeah the, the they, they also, would be up in
0: arms yeah well and they also or or i mean like you know the fda like they're just yeah they, they didn't actually like sell the most people um but you know and they had another one where they um were working a funeral home and like dumped out like knocked over some ashes and pretend to like vacuum it up that was not real um there was like a mixture they said later it was a mixture of cement and kitty litter like later <laughs> like there were things like that that's just can it's you imagine like, if they use real human remains like how bad that would have actually been yeah wouldn't it like, been a, wouldn't have been wouldn't have been funny if it actually well, the whole time was real human remains but for press they were like no it was fake it was a fake story
1: <laughs> oh my god i know like the jokes on us like
0: they were they're actually punking us yeah, yeah. They were like, no, that actually was real. And we're just really yeah. clumsy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, they, but they really, so for the first few seasons, they really were being filmed 24 seven. Like they were, they had cameras like in their bedroom, in their car. Um, like they were, they just let the cameras roll. So a lot of it really just was their personalities making TV magic.
1: Right. Right. I, it's, I, again, it's that's that authenticity element. Right. Yeah. You can't fake it.
0: Oh, I know. I and the know. audience
1: is smarter. If it is fake, we can pick up on that in two seconds. That's why I did so well, and it was able to air for so many seasons.
0: OK, so basically everything was going great. The best of friends, having a great time filming, um, being their quirky selves. Then things started to go off the rails. So there were just major, major complications, one of which being that they both got major DUIs and both got jail time during filming of the show. So Paris was sentenced to 23 days. Nicole accepted a plea deal for four days. I mean, they both really did like, I don't know, like five minutes in jail. You know, the classic overcrowding (laughs) excuse, which like, oh, yeah, just, you know, it's totally randomly selected. Um, Just so happens that we're overcrowded at this time. Um, But then production had to schedule filming around both their jail sentences um, and Basically, then they also had a very, very famous, very famous fight and falling out. And this was also mid, like in the middle of this show. So, yeah. So, like, I remember when
1: this happened, weren't
0: they, didn't they
1: refuse to not film together? Refuse to film? That, didn't they film like different parts? Because when they were in their, their, the height of their fight, right? Didn't they film like not together? I thought that they had split the show up. So that Paris was like filming, and
0: they they didn't want to be in the same room. Did I make uh, that up? I. It sounds right. Like I don't know if that's like a Mandela effect thing, or like it. But it also sounds like very much something that could have happened. I mean, it, the whole thing was like very messy. You know, like they at one point they were talking about replacing Nicole Richie with like. uh Kelly Osborne, or even like Lindsay or like Kimberly Stewart yeah like they were they were really trying to like scramble because they had this really successful show um but the girls actually the the ladies actually had um they they talked about it publicly so do you want to do you want to get into that yeah so I'm
1: like I think it's it's really tough because it kind of gives me you know when like I think just going back to i had a couple thoughts while you were talking like you know when chris and kevlar got onto the hills and she was like i was playing like this part like i felt like i had to when i got to the hills i knew what the agenda was for me i knew i had to be like the bad girl i knew i had to be the bitch and i think the reason why going back to the reason the show was so successful was because paracynical they were organically being themselves sure they played up like the airheadness They, they played up the troublemaker but i think we all related to them on a degree of like they were even though they were like these like really affluent, wealthy, famous people, there is a relatability factor that I think really connected the viewers to them. So I think when they had their like divorce era, that's the reason why the show just kind of like fell apart. Because it's like we kind of fell in love with the relationship that the two of them were building with one another. And then when the fallout happened, it's like, well, why are we even watching the show anymore? Because it felt like the whole dynamic and the surrounding reasons why we were so obsessed with it to begin with was because we loved your friendship. Yeah. So I think for me... So I was doing I did a little bit of research into what like what the cause, the catalyst of the reckoning of the the downfall of it. And I think what is known today is that it had to do with Nicole publicly airing Paris' sex tape at a party, I guess. And so I had to look up like, well, what prompted Nicole to do something like that? Was it just out of the blue? She had a like a kickback at her house and invited like nine of her friends and said, hey, Let's just poke fun at Paris and watch this 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 movie. But then when I did a bit of research, apparently Paris was hosting SNL. And you know, typically SNL you have like you can invite your friends to be on like the live taping. And then you can also they do like an after party for whoever hosts that week. So I guess Paris completely snubbed Nicole and didn't invite her to anything related to the SNL taping. So I think for me, it's like, yeah, Nicole did this fucked up thing of showing Paris a sex tape at a party. But also I'm curious, and I couldn't find anything on the internet that explained why Paris snubbed Nicole to begin with. Of like, why wouldn't she have invited her to the SNL viewing? It seems very, because they were so close. They were attached to the hip. What would have caused that? I'm mean, like, I, I don't know. Well, that That's like the big question mark for me when I was doing some digging.
0: Well, I was thinking about it, and then I also just thought about the fact that if you take all of the stardom, all the everything out of it, they were also in their early 20s. Like, I don't know about you, but for me, in my early 20s, like, friendships are so intense, but, like, kind of dramatic, and they can be a little tumultuous, and everyone's, like, partying. Like, I I mean, I never had, like, a super intense party phase, I think, beyond kind of your average you know, college years type of thing, but like things are just, everything's so heightened and you're like, everything feels like, oh my God, this is gonna like ruin my life or like make my life, you know? And and a lot of your friends during that time, like you go through turnover of friends, like this just, this just organically happens. But if you also have like contracts and like assistants and like managers being like, no, 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 you have to like patch things up. Like it would just, it would heighten the pressure so much. And also considering the fact that like, we now know, like they were both deeply traumatized, like working through incredible amounts of trauma. I doubt they had like a ton of support during this time, like just in terms of like, you know, being in therapy, like you have Nicole in, uh, um, in the throes of drug addiction. You had Paris Hilton, who we now know from her documentary that she had been kidnapped and and put in this, you know, uh, horrific facility like they were both uh, in this in this extreme state that they had to also that put a face on and just you know also probably like i don't want to get too far down the road of like diagnosing them but like probably some like trauma bond type of thing you know like just just yeah just just being so connected because of having these like kind of similar very specific experiences and so it's not a surprise to me that something like that would also then be like fragile and susceptible to fights, which also just just happens like it, at that age.
1: Yeah, I, I that's such a good point about the fragility of like young like young adult relationships, because at that time, maybe if you're not dating anyone too, like that, your friendships become your world. Like yeah. you're at that point in your life where like, oh, I don't even wanna hang out with family. I just wanna hang out with my friends. I wanna go out, I wanna be seen. And then you couple that with money And the fact that I believe, I bet you, again, not to bring it back to the hills, but, like, it's, like, when Elsie had resentment towards the other cast members because she was, like, well, I'm the reason this show even exists, so I refuse to have all of our pay be, like, equitable. I need to be the highest paid person on the show because you're the reason, I'm the reason you guys are even sitting at the table. I bet you, Paris, and this is just my assumption, perhaps, when you couple the fragility of young friendships plus all this fame all this camera, all this lights, all this action, and then if you pair money with it and finances, there's got to be resentment. I, I, I'm I assuming. Yeah. Because if I even think of like partnerships with like people who have like co-hosts and podcasts, I cannot even imagine how difficult that would be because like I had a podcast for a short period of time with a girlfriend of mine like back in 2018 and it ended like after 10 episodes because we realized like there was like, it, it just, our lives became the podcast and it didn't become about our friendship anymore it's like when we were talking it was about the podcast what we were gonna who we wanted, what we wanted to talk about that week it was like gone was our friendship so I can imagine that they might have had us Paris probably I bet you would have had what happened maybe is that Paris was kind of the reason Paris was like at the forefront right she was like more of the star and she's the reason why Nicole had that platform and Nicole found her own path in her own right at that time but I think that perhaps Paris had a bit of like animosity maybe which towards nicole like well you're the reason i'm the reason you're even on the show i'm the reason like you're getting all this money you're getting all this press so i can imagine maybe and especially at that young age where it's kind of competitive and you you want to succeed and you don't really want to see other people succeed paris i'm sure not putting blame i probably would have the same thing as like lc or paris it's like you have this like god complex where you're like well fuck that like I should be getting paid more. I should be getting more press. And then I don't want you to get any of that. So I could, I guess what I'm saying is I can kind of imagine maybe, maybe that I'm answering my own question and the fact that maybe Paris had started developing this angst against Nicole subtly, but slowly and surely over time. And it kind of maybe took ahead at the SNL viewership thing. And then the sex tape viewing thing happened and it just kind of spiraled from there.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, I think there's this famous clip of, um, this was before Kim Kardashian was famous, but uh, well, it was when she was Paris Hilton's assistant, but you have a photographer or you have someone wanting a photo of Paris. They're like, they like step right in front of Kim. So that was a really dramatic moment of that. But like, let's say you have photographers always hounding them. And then maybe three, four times out of 10, they're like, Paris, Paris, like, and, and step in front of Nicole. That little things like that really will build up because also it was the time of like, are you a Britney fan or a Christina fan? You can't be both. Like, you your Hillary? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have to choose. There can only be like one girl, and like you're, they're pitted against each other. Like it's a girl, it's a cat fight, you know. Like it, it was, it was that time. So all this is going to amplify the same types of like human behaviors that we're all kind of going through at that at that age. Like it's a very intense, yeah. it's a very intense time to be alive. <laughs> your early twenties, <20s. laughs> exactly. It's an intense
1: life time to be alive, and it's even more intense if you have money and fame thrown at you, and you're kind of that people want you to kind of beef it that that we like you're that's such a good point it's like this is the time when it was peak women pitting women against one another so I bet you it was like there was probably some tabloid fodder going on behind the scenes that kind of maybe put them against each other yeah despite them not necessarily wanting that such a good point
0: yeah and and and, you know you you brought this up like a bit um before the episode in your research but like you made some good points of the fact that like I I don't (laughs) I have a lot of Sympathy towards Paris and what she went through with um the boarding school she was sent to, but she is far from perfect. She is has an incredibly problematic past of racism, homophobia, like, and not just like one or two comments, like many documented comments of doing really horrible things. And so, like, it, I have a mixed a bag of emotions towards her. Like, but she was yeah. <laughs> she was no angel. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's I think it's it's interesting because. Paris is rewriting history right now and she's having her come come up again for the second, yeah. like her second wave of fame. And I think a lot of it was attributable to the YouTube documentary because I think at the end of the day, you want people to be relatable. And I think that behind the glitz and the glamour and the, the, the baby voice and that like that's hot and like the shoes and the dog, it, I think Paris was able to humanize herself and relate to other people through that documentary. So I think because of that, she's had a second wave of a come up, which great. But I think what people tend to forget, especially if you are a Gen Zer and you're only seeing Paris as this like fabulous, relatable queen who's just like she's just like us, we have this like, uh, uh, what's that term? It's like you want to forget certain parts of your past.
0: Like you're having certain like uh, amnesia. Well, I say we, I say as a society, we have a goldfish memory because like us, yes. uh, and, and I'm guilty of it too. You know, I saw the, I saw the documentary and um I was so swept up in it. And it was actually Sam who's often my co-host on the on the pod and on the Patreon. She was like, Well, right. do you she was like, Do you remember like her storage locker being broken? Oh no, she didn't pay the fees on her storage locker. And then all of these basically they they auctioned off all the items in it. Like what was in it? What wasn't in it? Like That could be, it's honestly its own episode. I'm going to wait. I've never heard of this. Oh my God. It was so so many photos, like prescriptions to all these pills, like angry emails, um, like the inner life of what was really going on with Paris at the time. Like, I'm kind of like, I'm, 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 I'm debating whether like this could be its own, like. Um, maybe like Patreon episode, maybe I'll like link it in the show notes. I'll, I'll figure this out. But like, it is, the the contents are like, I, I'm I'm like short fusing right now because I'm like, where do I even begin? It was so salacious, um, but it just, it shows, you know, Paris was like a quote unquote, like mean girl, you know?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> and beyond and think- just
0: throwing in words, like saying like black people are disgusting, like really like horrific things many oh many times like yeah just on camera you know so
1: that's it's very problematic but but then at the at the same time it doesn't really come as a surprise to me because think of how many feuds that she had with so many people back in the day like she was horrible to Lindsay Lohan and I'm not saying Lindsay Lohan is any kind of an angel but like do you remember when Brandon Davis and her were walking down the street and that yeah Brandon Davis was poking fun at Lindsay Lohan she's a fire crotch she's a fire crotch and Paris was just in the back giggling like with her short little hair like giggling in the background and then remember that other video that surfaced of Paris in her like front patio behind the gate screaming she's not welcome here she's a fire crotch about Lindsay lohan like she was so awful to her and i think she had she just had beef with so many people and it's just like okay well you can't claim to be this like inclusive relatable queen when you were also a terror to begin with so like sure what what nicole did bringing it back to nicole it's like what nicole did was awful but at the same time what prompted nicole's behavior to do something like that because if it was aligned with the way that you treated other people like lilo i can imagine that maybe nicole was a little bit justified in her approach
0: and the term firecrotch like stuck with Lindsay for so for yes. years like it was what people led with it was it was cruel like and yeah so that uh, but that's the whole thing that i think both of us this is the approach that both of us take with pop culture, which is that like multiple truths can exist at the same time. And like these, that we can look at both facts as truth. The, we, they are they are complex people. So are all of us. And so it's just like, they're also like allowed to evolve. doesn't mean that we need to like write all this off and be like, oh, you know, instantly forget about it. But it's like, yeah, I don't think that we need to take a, gen z kind of view on it where i think they only know paris from this renaissance time where everything's just like you know McBling and like her netflix cooking show and all this cute stuff like i think you can look at her past and be like holy shit (laughs) really fucked up and then also look to her with kindness of someone who was completely let down by her parents and you know put through so much
1: there, yeah. There, there's some dark. There's some darkness to her to her family for sure. The last thing I'll say about Paris is like, from what I've heard online, she's a very gracious person to fans who ask for photos, and she's always very gracious and sweet to the paparazzi. So I think like, I, I've never heard like a a bad necessarily like her being ungracious to people that ask for photos. Like some celebrities are like, ugh, no, I'm too busy. I'm eating. But I, I've I've heard that she's very pleasant to fans. So like you said, two things can
0: exist actually saw her this year and if I'd been in the place I if I'd been in the right place five minutes earlier I would have gotten a photo with her because oh it's, yeah it's it, Wait, what, did I you say hi to her did you like talk to her so okay so I I think I I told the story on I think I told it on the Patreon but basically I I'm very lucky I got to go to Coachella this year with an artist pass Um I had a friend who was playing you fancy uh, bitch i i i, I, I have a, my childhood friend who is just know from yeah from being like little kids um is a dj and it just happened to have you know be talented and made it big so she mm-hmm. was playing coachella and so she invited along some of her basically like oldest friends yeah and so we went to pick up our artist pass and so it was funny because this was like i think two days before the festival and we were like leaving the airbnb we're like should we get dressed up and we were all kind of like in our sort of half pjs like and we're just like no no no," because we're just going to walk into this room get our bands and like leave we walk in there's like it's then we realize like oh my god it's the it's the artist pass so there's like all of these like just like like rappers and their crew like all these like all these like um like super glamorous folks and we're just like (gasps) like Could could I have not been wearing socks and sandals right now? Like, could I have just been wearing something else? Like, just like, but whatever. Also, like, no one's paying attention to us. But at the same time, we're like, did we need to? Could we have just taken a moment and just like, you know, (laughs) like, um, could we have just taken a moment? Yeah, yeah. Could we have just, you know, like, could I could my hair not be in a messy bun? I don't know. Like, just you know that kind of thing. So we're walking, okay. And then also, everyone that I went with. No one was a really big celebrity person. Like they're all just there for Jada, who's the artist Jada G. um They're all just like you know there to see her perform and support her, whatever. Like her family's there. I was the one who was like, guys, this is my fucking Super Bowl. Like I, my, I was like, I, I will be spotting people. They're like, okay, well we won't know who anyone is. I'm like, don't worry, I will fill you in on everything. I will spot everyone. And so my head, I'm going around like a sonar, like beep 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 beep. beep. So i i me too. yeah 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 totally totally and everyone was just kind of like laughing at me like i was like oh it no. was no it was perfect no they were like in a not in a like um just in kind of oh, like a laughing yeah. with you they're 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 loving like your yeah. excitement yeah because yeah, I was like I was malfunctioning the whole time basically so so <laughs> <laughs> so we're walking in and we're like kind of just taking this huge breath in because we're like okay we all look like shit basically and there's like everyone is you know in full festival mode and Paris Hilton walked past us down the hallway right when we were about to walk into the place where you get your bands and she was in a juicy tracksuit. she was holding a chihuahua and she was smiling and she had a trucker hat on and she had a huge smile on her face. And I was like- This was this year? This, this was this year? This was this in April. Oh my God. I love that. That's so cute. I think I like, I think I, I almost like left a dent in some, in like my friend's arm. Cause I just grabbed, I was like, <laughs> like but I didn't want to be like loud about it, but I was like- and so it's and then we walk into the room and they were like yeah Paris was just here she took photos with every single person um and then and then this one of the guys who who went to take a photo with her happened to be wearing a Paris Hilton t-shirt at the time and they were both like oh my god and they were like she was so nice and like took so much time and so I was, was so it was just it was this really special moment and even though I didn't wasn't in the room where she was taking photos just the fact that I got to breathe the same air as Paris Hilton wearing this tracksuit wearing this truck hat with a tra- I was like am I yeah my my early 2000s soul can rest easy
1: oh I love that so like I that is honestly so cool first that you got like that exposure to celebs because I would be exactly like you literally my radar will be I wouldn't be paying attention no, no one can talk to me I'm just on high alert all weekend like I'm not there for the music I'm there to see a celebrity and take a picture with them um Christy when I'm I'm very excited oh. for you
0: Chrissy, you'll you'll appreciate this. Um, I forgot that there was even music playing. So when someone said, um, when one of the people that I was with said, "Who are you excited to see this weekend?" I said, "The cast of Vanderpump Rules." Like I was like not even joking. I was like, "I'm gonna find them." And did I'm you gonna- find them? Yeah, I did. I because I I was like I was lo- That's what I was like focused on. I was like yeah. I was I was laser focused. But um, yeah, actually, for anyone for anyone who's interested in that episode, um, I even titled it like those old Facebook albums. So I think it's called. Um, it's on Patreon. It's the nights, the nights we won't remember with the the with nights the we won't we remember won't with the people we won't forget. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> um, I have a. We should do it honestly. I know this is a side note, but I went to Pride for Vanderpump uh, uh, to, to Sir and, and Pump in 2018, and I met every. I can go. I could literally do an entire episode on it. So we must. We'll talk o-
0: yeah. <laughs> we have <laughs> so. so I <laughs> we I know this yeah. is like side note upon side note. Oh my god. We, where we last left off with Paris and Nicole, they were, they had this big fallout and we're sort of like piecing that together, but basically just happy ending. They're friends now and they both said really kind things about each other, like really genuine. Um, Nicole, this was even in 2014, so they patched things up like not that long after. Um, But Nicole on Watch What Happens Live said, Paris is someone that's been in my life since day one, an idea of a true friend is someone that's going to be there when when you go through everything i haven't spoken to her in a while but we're very good friends i love her and i love her family i have a lot of respect for her um and in 2016 in an interview para said nicole is literally the funniest person i've ever met in my whole life she's always cracking me up so everyone can sleep easy tonight um they're friends (laughs) (laughs) rest (laughs) assured yeah but yeah um i think you know it it feels It feels almost a little out of place, but I I do think that we can't do this episode without at least also touching on um, some of her other struggles that that Nicole went through while everything else was going on during the DUI, during everything else, which was more of a statement about who we were as a society, but the way that we treated her and her weight. So this was so damaging it damaging doesn't even describe it like it was a headline every week of her like close up photos of, like her on the beach just her out and about and her weight and it was just like oh my god like and and that was like totally accepted and the it was beach so- photos are ingrained
1: in my brain like mm-hmm. when you said that something like a visceral memory just like came into my
0: it with the with the, ban- it, like, it with impacted the me with the bandeau um tube top yes same same yeah,
1: it, it it literally like i it had like s- significant like uh the way i viewed my weight too like just watched seeing those headlines like it deeply impacted my um, for well, sure. S-
0: well same i mean i grew up like yeah i mean this is really gonna sound extremely grim but i grew up on like this edge like this he- very heavy education about the holocaust in like jewish after school programs and everything and I, that that was like in my mind that was the only people that were that skinny were like people that had gone through that and then I saw those photos and I was like oh someone can just be like that out living their life and I didn't even I didn't connect all the dots too because the other crazy thing about the time was that celebrities would always go away for quote dehydration and exhaustion oh yeah now all the time like all the time and so that was another thing that was like kind of formative on me was I was like I actually thought I was like oh I didn't know that dehydration could affect you so badly where you'd have to go to the hospital and like you'd collapse on set like it, obviously that is not true I mean if you're lost in the desert yes it is true dehydration is a real but it's not for anyone who has access to running water
1: yeah exactly it's like no you're literally so hungover because you've been partying on a bender and doing blow all weekend and you've ingested no liquids except alcohol and maybe like a glass of water every day like it's it it's so crazy we were so naive back in the day like as kids like oh yeah dehydration it's not a
0: thing and you know yeah and and so i realized in looking back at all these different times where she was hospitalized for exhaustion and dehydration also hospitalized for exhaustion isn't also isn't a thing unless you're like have another very serious illness um but that was something that was said all the time. And now people don't say it anymore because people know that we're too smart. We're too media literate that we would be like, that's not real.
1: Right. Yeah. And I don't think to this day, right? Has she ever admitted to struggling with an eating disorder? I've never read any quotes that have.
0: No, no. And and like, you know, I I mean, I wouldn't mind if she reflected back on that time and talked about it. Because at the time she said, her and her rep said many many times that even when she went to rehab it was for an in- inability to put on weight but not an eating disorder like specifically not that and she said like look i know that i um i know that i'm i don't look healthy and i don't think young right. girls should should follow my example which too late we already were unfortunately okay, um but she's me. but she said specifically i am not anorexic i'm not bulimic i don't have an eating disorder and it's like you could say that and then you could say oh but I also am going to rehab for exhaustion and it's like you know we I guess I I took it at face value I don't know about you like I wasn't very I was not very discerning with the media growing up which is part of why I guess I'm kind of on this crusade was to take all these moments that I was like yeah okay that's crazy but that makes sense like
1: right I'm looking at these photos of her on her Instagram and she's still so thin like it's kind of it's honestly kind of concerning even today but the, the the reason i say it's concerning is because like and i've talked about this too like i'm like hyper aware of just like weight and eating disorders because like i've just gone through my own struggles with it and basically like the way it goes and i'm not like a doctor right but like generally the way that the body ha- like is able to fluctuate between your weight is like you're supposed to be any depending on like your height and other things like you, you should generally fluctuate between like 10 to maybe 20 pounds like for me 20 pounds would be ex- ex- significant because i'm so short but like generally a body should fluctuate up and down between 10 to 20 pounds in a lifetime but depending on the weight because she's so small in terms of height for her to have been so curvy in that point in her life i mean maybe she was maybe binging but like for you to have such a significant weight fluctuation like what she had it speaks to like other things and maybe it's like a legitimate health problem that she was facing, like a thyroid issue or something else. But like, it's not naturally for your body to fluctuate so significantly in that short amount of time, unless you are doing something actively to like restrict.
0: Yeah. And, and you're not alone, you know, like so many listeners and so many people have written in, like, I I mean, I think struggling with, um with eating, with a relationship mm-hmm. with body image, eating disorders, all these things are inc- like so incredibly common. And, like mm-hmm. that is part of why I feel so motivated um, to, to reflect on these times because of like the body shaming, the the sex shaming, like just the everything shaming, like, everything sh- shaming. yeah, shaming us for existing as women <laughs> through the lens of like how we talked about women in the spotlight. Um, and like, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't owe us an explanation of her, no. what's going on with her medical history, but it is just, it is kind of a, it's sort of like this, unfinished story in some ways it feels like like okay she uh, how do I say this she doesn't owe us anything she doesn't owe us an explanation into her personal life but it is interesting that at her height of all these years in the spotlight she was also so actively obviously very sick from the way that she looked and always had to make comments about it and those comments were always I do not definitively have an eating disorder um and then we kind of never heard heard anything else from it so it is it like
1: (sighs) how can we not I think it's like how can we not have questions because it was so in our face literally every every time we went to the grocery store there's something new it's like how, how can that not be imprinted in our brains and we do have some like questions granted she doesn't owe us an explanation it's just more of like my my brain can't help but react to like these outrageous photos of her body
0: yeah and not to mention like i'm sure also becoming a mother like also not wanting like her daughters to 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 take that on also must be a huge concern too and the fact that like if that is a struggle like that never goes away that's for life you know like that is something that is always something to manage and it's not just something that like oh poof it evaporates like Mm -hmm. you know so who knows like she could still be struggling like we don't know um it's not our business but it is just like it's just i don't know i don't like it's, it's different the, time it's yeah. a different time like and i don't think
1: we would ever be having these conversations about like like i said like the sabrina carpenters or olivia Rodriguez or addison rays or charlie d'amelio today because it's, the conversation is not even on the table anymore so it's like the reason we're having this conversation is because it was literally so relevant in that time and that was so much of the talent by far it was the weight in the, the boob jobs
0: yeah and and also because at the time too now the kids these days can be like oh i have anxiety i have depression like. <laughs> that is something that I'm like I, I'm always a little a little jealous like, that they have these tools in their toolbox at such a young age to to get into to, to contextualize like what's going on with them mental health wise and that they can talk about it. I mean, I'm, I'm glad for them. I'm just kind of like, oh, I wish <laughs> I wish we had had a little bit of that, but like, you know they can talk about it kind of as it's happening. Um, most stars at this point have come out and at least said something to the effect of like, talked about some trauma or talked about some mental health issues. Like, it's just, it's very, very commonplace. They couldn't even do that at the time. Like, they couldn't be like, I, eh, you know, (laughs) I'm depressed. I'm like, that just, that, those words existed, but it kind of existed in our minds, I think as a society, as someone who was like basically in a straitjacket. You know what I mean? I was going to say, like therapy was like,
1: so many people, people talk about therapy today. Like it's, you're going to the grocery store. It's like, oh, I have therapy. Oh, I'm going to the grocery store. Like no yeah. one questions it. But like at the time and the rhetoric and the discussions that were had in 2005, they were ex- they were exclusively for people who had mental problems that were in a straitjacket at a psychiatric hospital. Yeah. Like, they, were just, they weren't in the everyday layman's terms. And I'm so glad we've done so much as a society to get past that. But it's like, I cannot even imagine all the pressures it's already hard to be a woman in society it's already hard and even more hard if you're a woman on a platform where people are looking at you and digesting you and have comments about your appearance it's like well take that in minus like 12 years and just figure out like how could you not grow up to be a little fucked up if you were in in that period
0: yeah. And by the way, I don't, I'm not, what I'm saying about this trade jacket, like that's also not to stigmatize anyone who does experience psychosis too. Like I really like any, if, if you, if that is part of your experience, like to, that's just on the same level, like I deal with like depression, ADHD, anxiety, like all these things, it's all just like mental health issues that I would say are at this point, like, I would just assume people have mental health issues unless otherwise specified. Like, and so, and so it's, it's not to demonize that, but just to say that we only viewed it through the lens of it being so extreme and so completely like life shattering or just didn't exist. Like it it was, it was, it was totally one or the other.
1: It's, it's a dichotomy of like, and I think that's how people view, like, I mean, taking it back to the eating disorder, when people think of eating disorders, they think of like a Nicole Richie, figure like oh yep. you must look a certain way to have an eating disorder trust me that is not what it looks like for probably like more than 80% Most. of the population who do struggle with eating disorders it doesn't yep. look like the way that we it's portrayed in the movies but back then it was like yeah you're crazy Lindsay Lohan and Nicole Richie and Bernie Spears or you're just totally normal and there is no in between
0: totally it, it's it's very it very much mimics the type of way that we were talking about how drug addiction was viewed at the time like it's mm-hmm. it's all or nothing it's this total um stereotype or you're fine. And and like, mm-hmm. or you're just like young and wild, and like we can make fun of you. You know, like that was that that was it. Like, and it's just, you know, we grew up during this time where we would look at um our parents' generation, it's like, you know, they were like smoking in hospital rooms, and we were like, Oh my god, can't believe you guys did that. You knew so little. But it's like, I feel the same way <laughs> about how. Yeah. We treated like people, especially women, uh, well, girls, gays, and theys, Which like the theys didn't even, it wasn't even like a valid category. That like just it, yeah. it was so fucked up. Um, so yeah, it's so interesting that like, you say about like that meant that the the discussions we
1: had about our parents, like shaming our parents, like you guys are so stupid, smoking cigs everywhere you went. But now it's like, we are stupid.
0: Yeah. Seatbelts didn't exist. You had babies, like not in a baby's, like you just had like babies, like loose in a car, like, you know, like, and- and It seems so duh then, but
1: now it's like, they're probably, Gen Z's probably like, duh, why are you guys being so mean?
0: Yeah. And also like, yeah, I've seen them make fun of us on TikTok being like, making such a big deal out of going to therapy. And they're like, yeah, of course you're in therapy. And it's like, Uh, like we're all in therapy I'm like no it's not a given okay like I'm I'm in my 30s and I'm just getting a handle on on all this stuff now because I got a late start like this is not you guys don't even know okay you kids these days like
1: (laughs) it it was it was treacherous for us okay like do not judge our experience it was treacherous as fuck
0: yeah and so I I don't want to end on this negative note because I really do think that like when we look back at this life that Nicole has lived The fact that she is functioning running a business has two kids has a marriage that's gone on for over a decade like that is incredible like for anyone to just survive that era to me incredible like I don't even know if I would be able to survive those circumstances, so the fact that she's like out and about doing her thing like being being the girl boss like <laughs> like the girl yeah, boss yeah well I yeah. always say that with a little like you know it's always tugging in cheek but like she is she's running yeah. a successful business like I I'm just yeah. I'm so I'm so impressed by her and I mean I don't know like she had a she had a show on there's you know, there's this thing like Quibi it was like It was supposed to be this huge thing and it lasted like um, about a week or something. Yeah, she was supposed to have a Quibi show. I don't know. I I would love to see her in a role of some kind, like a big role. I think that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, I think she's had like such an illustrious career and she has so much to be proud of. And I think she's, I'm bringing it back to the hills all over again for the fifth time, but it's like, I think she enjoys the quiet life now because it's like kind of like with LC, she had this like crazy life from like ages 18, like 23. She's like, I'm good, I have my money and I'm out. I don't wanna be part yeah. of it anymore. I think Nicole Reggie's f- fully content. Like if that's what makes her happy is chilling at home, being a fashion designer, taking care of her kids, being a family woman, being married to Joel Madden, good on her. Like, I like that she's kept this low key image after the craziness that ensued in her 20s you know I think she's happy being a mom and having this low-key lifestyle if that's what makes her happy I'm all for it but if she wants to like break back in like having a come up a second come up like Paris is experiencing right now I welcome that as well
0: you're so right I realize I'm speaking purely from a selfish point of view where I'm like get back on screen Nicole I just just because of me I just want to see her out and about but like yeah I'm, I'm she's she's lived enough lifetimes that if she wants to just do her like mom thing and post gardening content on Instagram like go go for it um and so I, yeah,
1: agreed yeah
0: agreed. yeah i um, think
1: I was, I was, one thing i was gonna say i was like i think she, she we would be so blessed to have her back on our screens because she is so dynamic and so fun to watch so if that's in the card for her i welcome that 100 percent.
0: yeah yeah we support whatever she wants to whatever she yeah. wants to do what nicole if you're listening whatever makes you happy <laughs> we, support. we support you girl <laughs> we love you nicole yeah um Chrissy, Chrissy, thank you so much for joining me. This was so much fun. Uh, We got to do this again sometime.
1: 100%.
0: Tell everyone where they can find you yeah you guys can follow my please follow my
1: instagram i am thirsty as hell and i need more followers yes so follow me on instagram at x knows all i honestly have not to toot my own horn but i have funny stories so go ahead and give me a follow on my uh, on my instagram page just like emily said up top it's x not e x but just the letter x knows all
0: and then my podcast at x knows all wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe yeah go follow her, her instagram stories are fire and so funny so thank you yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Of course. It's been a pleasure. Au revoir, mes amours.